The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. That good old way is a way of great trouble, of great difficulty. That good old way is filled with trials and temptations. It's filled with disappointments and tears. 
It's it's not an easy way. Sometimes we have to go and and look for the ancient paths. Look for the good way. But it's a hard way. Let's not pretend. Today in the modern church, we have convinced ourselves that everybody should be nice, everybody should be pleasant, everybody should be tolerant, everybody should love everybody, and anything goes. No church discipline. No standing and saying, look, we've got to make sure that this is done according to the Lord, according to what he desires for us. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We're going to talk about this today. Let's pray. Lord, we come. We come into your presence and ask, O Holy Spirit, would you come and meet with us? Would you give me the words to utter? Let me disappear. Holy Spirit, you step forward. Speak the desire of your heart for your people. Thank you, Jesus. I come by the blood in your name. Amen. Well, Moses had faced the death angel. Quickly, his wife had circumcised their son. This was the last needed element to finalize that Moses would be totally dependent upon God alone. No human strength could deliver no human knowledge could deliver. No human strategy could deliver the children of Israel from the grip of slavery under Pharaoh. This had to be something that God did. So he meets Aaron in the desert. They have a reunion, and he tells Aaron everything that has happened to him up to this point. And he also performed the signs for Aaron so that Aaron could be confident as well. Then they went to the people. And the people believed them. The scriptures say they, they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery. They bowed down and worshipped him. Now in chapter 5, Exodus, Moses and Aaron, with the elders, go into the court of Pharaoh. And they say, let my people go. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh responds, as you would suspect, Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? That I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. 
Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. And that day Pharaoh gave the order that they should no longer supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make them work harder so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. They're in trouble. They're in deep trouble. I received a call yesterday afternoon after the broadcast. A Christian man was livid on the telephone. He was boiling angry. His car had just been hit, and the driver of the other car had not left any information about who he was. He was going to go and try to get the the camera information from that store to see if he could identify the car that hit him. He was angry because he said, nothing in my life is working out. Everything is delayed in my life. Life has been nothing but hard since I became a Christian, and I'm sick and tired of it. I'm done, Pastor. I'm out. I'm not coming to church anymore. I am done. I'm going to go do this on my own. God is not doing anything for me. My heart was broken listening to him. Finally, all I could say is, We've had this conversation quite a few times prior to this. I'm not going to hold that conversation with you again. God has blessed you magnificently in so many ways. And he's in the process of saving your soul and preparing a place for you in eternity. No, I want it now. I don't want to wait. For eternity, I need a wife now. I need the blessings now. I need the money. I need the lifestyle. I need now what I want. So I said, well, it's no sense in our talking further. I'm hanging up. That's what I did. So his last word to me was, I'm finished with God. My life has only been hard since accepting Jesus. Can I just tell you a very simple thing that you may already know, but if you don't, the devil doesn't bother his people. Oh, he'll bring tragedy on them like tragedy comes on everybody. 
that as soon as you turn to Jesus, he turns up the temperature. And he tries to literally tear you to pieces. Remember the story I shared with you of Christian as he went through the the Valley of Humility? And the devil met him and tried to kill him? The devil wants to kill you. If you think you can become a Christian and everything is going to be wonderful, you don't understand the gospel of Jesus at all. If everything is going smoothly in your life and you're just rejoicing in all of the blessings, if that continues for very long, you're in very deep trouble. Because it's not the Lord's way. And it's not the devil's way. You can expect, if you are a follower of Jesus, to face persecution in this world. Every person, the New Testament tells us, who follows Jesus will be persecuted. If you are not being persecuted, there is something wrong in your life. The devil's people have identified you as being one of them. So there is no rebuke in your life for their life of utter wickedness. They think you're like them. You see, we've filled the church today with religion. I want to go back just for a minute and remind you, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah preaches a strong message of rebuke to the children of of Judah in Jerusalem. He suffers persecution for that strong rebuke. But what was going on in Judah right then and in Jerusalem? Well, they were prospering. Money was flowing. Lifestyle was fabulous. They weren't having difficulty. But in the midst of that wonderful religious life, Jeremiah comes and he says, you are utterly wicked and you are apostate. Now the false prophets came and they said, oh, you're looking forward to a wonderful life and and the Lord God of heaven is going to bless you abundantly. You are going to be prosperous and happy and healthy. Jeremiah comes along very sober and he says, the Babylonians are going to come and destroy the city and burn it down. The Babylonians are going to come and they are the whip of God. God is using them to bring judgment upon Judah. Nobody believed him. They were very angry with him. But that's exactly what happened. Well, today, the is filled with religion. And religion is always used in America as a means of creature comforts, entertainment. As if we didn't get enough entertainment on the television and on the internet, now we have to fill our mega church buildings with concerts 
and charge high prices. And the Lord brought a judgment upon the church in America, and we were vomited out of those big, beautiful buildings. And now they sit monuments empty. Research shows that there are 36% fewer people going to church now as compared to a year and a half ago. We're in trouble. The modern prophets are saying, hey, we have a time of prosperity coming. Mr. Trump's going to be reestablished as the president, and everything is going to be wonderful again. Well, he may or may not. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. But I can tell you from the reading I do in the scripture that we are facing severe judgment. God may use Russia. He may use China. He may use the president, even though he's a false president to me. God will use whatever is necessary to break this cycle of religion among his people. I've said a number of times, I don't like religion. In fact, I hate religion. I'm not a religionist. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not a follower of a culture. I'm a follower of a man. He has my utmost loyalty and my love. And those who gather together in the name of my Lord Jesus and are willing to submit their hearts in discipline to his love and his commands. And that's called the remnant church. And they're not filled with religion. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're filled with Jesus. They're filled with righteousness. Whoever is preaching will not be preaching compromise. He will not be preaching tolerance to perversion and every uncleanness. He will not be preaching strategies on how to make money and how to get ahead in life. He will be talking about how to win eternal life in Jesus Christ. He'll be talking about holiness and righteousness. He'll be rebuking sin. He'll be calling people to walk holy before a most holy God. We have been deceived in America. And the American church is now at a place where if they don't quickly repent, the judgment of God will fall just like it fell on old Jerusalem when the Babylonians came and destroyed them. America can be utterly destroyed. Our cities can be bombed with atomic weapons. The dust bowl and the and the fires. The drought, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. All are a part of the judgment that God brings upon nations when they do what we've done in America in the church. And the judgments of God are not coming because of the pagans. They're coming because of those of us who call ourselves Christians. 
Now, this man that I talked about just before the broadcast, I got a text saying, Pastor, I sinned. I'm not leaving the church. I'm going to trust Jesus. Well, will he or won't he? I don't know. He is dating a Muslim woman. He sees no problem in dating a Muslim woman or a non-Christian. I've showed him the scriptures. I've advised him. I've counseled him. He says, maybe she'll become a Christian. Do you see what what ugly compromise, even among those who hear the preached word? People hear me say, if you're following the Olympics, if you're following and watching all of the events, if you're watching the professional games, if you're watching all of the different movies, you are feeding the flesh unto the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are not feeding your life in the spirit of Christ. You are not eating the broken body of Christ. And so as I shared yesterday, I'm finding many people, most people, want to stand with one foot on the slippery slope of that pit that drops into eternity and one foot in the church, acting righteous in some areas but wicked in others. A brother said to me, If not now, when? If not now, if you will not turn now to the Lord God of heaven, when will you turn? If you will not stop being a glutton now, when will you? If you will not cut the sugar off in your life, when will you? If you will not turn the television off, when will you? If you will not feast on the word of God, if you will not weep before the Lord over the sin of your own heart and of the nation and of the church, when will you? When will you? Now, the children of Israel are very excited because the word is, we're leaving this place. We're out of here. We're on our way to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And suddenly the brakes are slammed on by the devil. And now, if they don't produce the same number of bricks as they did before, they are whipped, grown men whipped. And they are hurt, and they are bloody, and they are angry. And now they go to Pharaoh, and they say to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, Make bricks. Your servants are being beaten. 
but the fault is with your own people. Wait a minute. Did you hear? Did you catch it? They didn't fall on their faces before Almighty God and say, Oh God, would you deliver us from this Pharaoh who is treating us this way? No, they went to Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh is still their Lord. So they go to their boss to try to make their life easier. Instead of going to God. Now, Pharaoh says you have two choices. You either serve me or die. You either serve me and earn the necessary money just to survive. You serve me. You work your hands like a slave to the bone to make enough money just to survive, or you will die. You labor 16, 18 hours a day. You get a second job. You struggle. You work hard. You are a slave. You have to pay that debt back. If you don't pay that debt back, you're a wicked person. And you will die if you don't pay it back. That's the lie of the modern world, and that's the lie of the religionist. That's the lie of a person who does not know that they have another option. That's the lie of a person who does not know that they have an option to be free. You have an option to lay on the altar of God your debt and your needs, and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given unto you. You have an option. You don't have to work like a slave and be a slave, destroying your family and your children and your wife or your husband, because you've got to serve Pharaoh. I made the mess. I've got to clean it up. Hey, guess what? The messes that I've made are so big, I can't clean them up. And finally, the day I was willing to come before the Lord and lay on my face for hours and days and say, Lord, I can't clean the mess up that I've made. If you don't step into this, I'm going to die because I have no means of cleaning up my mess. I can't earn enough money fast enough to rescue myself. If you don't rescue me, I'm dead. Some of us would rather be a slave and work our hands and our heart to the bone and pay our own way. Thank you very much. I can do it. I can do it. I'm the man. I confess I'm not the man. 
I can't do it. I can't forgive my sin. I can't clean up the financial mess. I can't clean up the brothers and sisters that I have in some way hurt. I can't do it. There's some things I can do. And there's some things God can't do. Did you know that? God can't repent for me. God cannot surrender for me. But I can repent. It is within my God-given power. I can repent. It is within my power. With the power and direction of the Holy Spirit. To surrender my life to Jesus. And he can break the bondage. Now, as I was preparing this message today, I'll tell you what I heard in the Spirit. I heard that many of you who call yourselves Christians are still in some kind of bitter bondage. It may be the bitter bondage of a marriage that's not satisfying your soul. It may be in the bondage of financial loss. It may be in the bondage of foreclosure and losing your house. It may be in the bondage of drugs or alcohol or fornication or pornography. It could be the bondage of anger and bitterness and hostility. There are many different kinds of bondage. But please hear me today. Jesus said, I can make you free, and you will be free indeed. I've come that your joy can be complete. Anything that is holding you in bondage, that is grinding your soul down, can be broken by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, but pastor, I thought I was responsible and I have to make up all this difference. No, you don't. It was done at the cross. All the differences were taken care of at the cross. If you're working for money today, you don't yet understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. A Christian does not work for money. A Christian works to build the kingdom of God upon this earth. And as we take up the assignments of work that Jesus gives to us, whether it be in an office or whether it be as a mechanic, whatever the work is that he has given to us, he will flow through that place the financial resources to cover everything that he needs to cover for us. He knows how to pay back debt. On the cross, all the debt was paid in advance. If I have a friend who deposits a million dollars in the bank and gives me the checkbook 
gives me the account. It's in my name. And then I struggle and labor because I don't have money to pay the bills. You would say I was very foolish. And I would be. I laughingly say sometimes, God gave me a an ATM card. So when I need financial resources, I use my ATM card in the bank of heaven. I have quite a store of wealth in the bank of heaven, some from what my father stored up there, some from what I've stored up there in years of paying tithe and offerings and giving to the poor. But way beyond anything my dad put in or way beyond anything I put in at the cross, the blood of Jesus filled my account. The question is, are you living in relationship with Jesus in a manner that will allow you to access that bank of heaven? Can you access the bank of heaven? See, the the bondages that we suffer are bitter. And Satan puts these bondages on us in the form of curses, demonic oppression. It's up to us to go to Jesus and pray through that. And if some spirit says to you, Sorry, Jesus is not going to pay that. You're going to just have to work like a slave to make it work. You know that demon spirit is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit gives us full access to Jesus and his provision made for us on the cross. Now, does that mean I'm not going to work? Of course not. I work every day. I'm up early in the prayer closet preparing, praying, reading scripture, preparing to do this broadcast. Today, my whole meeting, my whole morning was filled with technical difficulties that the devil was kicking up in my new equipment. We were not prepared to go on the air until literally minutes before I came on the air today. We'd already arranged for a prearranged broadcast to be played because it looked like it would be impossible for us to go on. All I could do is cry out to Jesus and pray. And finally, minutes before the broadcast, he resolved the problem. We're on the air. And I'm rejoicing that Jesus opened the way. Some of you say, Pastor, you're being oversimple. Yes, I am, if you're a religionist. No, I'm not if you're a Christian, because you know it's a very simple deal with the Lord. It's not complicated. It's simply total submission and total repentance and total turning to Jesus and leaving the outcome totally with him. Do I have trials? Oh, things happen that just... If I were not... 
securely hidden in Jesus, I'd be so angry. I'd be so upset. I'd kick into gear and I'd make things work. I'd mow grass. But not in Jesus. I take everything to Jesus in prayer. And I don't walk away carrying it. I leave it there with him. And I know that he's carrying me through. I know that his his mercy is covering me. So I'm not going to let angry words from unbelievers or even from Christians pierce and wound my heart. I'm not going to let a car break down, disturb my peace with Jesus. He knows all about it, and he'll work it all out. I can trust him. When I don't have enough money to buy what I think I need, I take it to Jesus. And if Jesus says, I'll bring the money, Thank you, Jesus. And he says, go ahead now and and buy that. Thank you, Jesus. But if he doesn't, okay, Jesus, I trust you. I deal with this broadcast this way. July is completely covered. But what if today, as I come on the broadcast, what if we were two or $3,000 short of last month in July? What would I do? Well, I would pray. And I would listen very carefully. Because if the money is not there, it's a very clear sign that either the devil is putting me under a very severe test. Or God is saying, it's time to pull off. It's time to finish radio. You're not going to do that anymore. And I'd say, Lord, okay. Thank you. What's next? You see, nothing should disturb my peace with the living God of heaven. Nothing should ruffle my feathers. I trust in the Lord. Now, I can't just say that and then not have it be so. I must walk it out. It must be my reality. Is it your reality? If not now, when? Now, the people are are bitterly hurting. The children of Israel are. They're being whipped because they're not producing the number of bricks that they're supposed to produce. And Pharaoh's angry. And Pharaoh says, either serve me and get the bricks or die. That's what the world says. But I have another choice. The choice is to be free. Verse 21. And they said to Moses, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. What? You know, 
that you're going to have to be a stench in the nostrils of a pagan before you're going to have a chance to win their hearts to Jesus. I witnessed to a a Buddhist, and in the midst of the witness, they yelled at me, they shouted at me, and said, Stop, I'm not going to talk to you about Jesus. I don't believe in the metaphysical. Okay. I didn't get mad back. I said, All right. We'll talk about that later. Now, this is a person I dearly love. And later, that person came back to me and said, I'm sorry. I didn't need to treat you that way. That was wrong. Well, how'd they know that was wrong? Holy Spirit. Now, I can tell you as the future moves forward, I'll be talking to that person about Jesus. And next time when we talk, this person won't yell at me and won't get angry with me because the Holy Spirit's been moving in their heart. You see, if there's no confrontation, if there's no If there's no difference between me and a pagan, what ground do I have for witness? I have no ground for witness. If I'm just like they are, how can I witness? I can't. I'm neutered. So, Somehow these people, the children of Israel, they want peace between Moses and Pharaoh and they want to go to the promised land and they want the bondage broken. Well, the devil's never going to allow you to break the bondage without a bitter fight, without a battle, without trauma, without drama. Expect it. Expect it. There's no way, there's no way you can overcome the devil without bitter conflict. Now, we like to keep everything peaceful and happy. We like to keep the status quo. Did you know the devil loves the status quo? The devil loves for you to be in a status quo position where, okay, I'll do this and this and this. I'll continue going here and here. I'm going to continue giving this amount to the church. I'm going to continue doing these nice things. I'm going to continue enjoying the benefits of being an American citizen. I'm going to go along to get along. I'm not going to rock the boat. A bondage cannot be broken without rocking the boat. It takes a radical decision on your part that you will change your habit 
and behavior. It means you have to radically alter what you do and how you think, or you will continue in the status quo and you will be friends with Pharaoh and you think you'll be friends with God and everybody's going to love everybody and we're going to all be be happy. Don't be sad. Be happy. That's a theme song of the American church. Don't be sad. Be happy. Remember that song? It goes right along with the song, Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Look, what do you need to change in your life to utterly alter who you are and what you do? What do you need to do? Do you need to change your giving habits? Do you need to change your entertainment? Do you need to change your relationships? Some of you are in relationships, you're in friendships with very toxic people, and you're constantly trying to keep them happy. And you're miserable. And you have no Christian witness to them. You're going to have to change that. You're going to have to risk that friendship. You're going to have to upset the apple cart. Or no bondage will be broken. No bondage will be broken. And you will make no progress in your walk with Jesus. You will be a wonderful religionist on your way to hell. Now what happened is Moses now shows his utter immaturity. I read this passage of Scripture and I say, Oh God, I've done this very thing to you and I'm so sorry. I too have accused you. Accused you of being slow. Accused you of not hearing my prayer saying, what's the use of praying anymore? I've prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing happens. Well, something needs to happen. I need to change what I'm doing. God's not the problem. I'm the problem. Verse 22. This is Exodus five twenty-two. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Oh, poor victim. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble upon this people. And you've not rescued your people at all. Well, he was warned ahead of time. And now God steps in. And this is the heart of the message today. I want you to hear this. Chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Now you will see what I do to Pharaoh. I've changed that. The title of the broadcast is Now you will see what the Lord can do. You will not see what the Lord can do until you face your bondage and you feel the pain and you acknowledge that what you have done is wrong and that you too are at fault for the bondage you find yourself in and you take responsibility for that bondage and you bring it before the Lord and you don't complain and say, look how you're treating me so poorly, God. No, you come to God and say, look what I have created. I created this mess. Or Bob created this mess. Or or my job created this mess. No, you, you come to God and you admit, you acknowledge the bondage you're in. And now you will see what the Lord will do. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out. I am the Lord. I appealed or I appeared to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord I did not make myself known to them. Verse 6, Therefore says the Lord, I am the Lord. I will bring you out. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham. I am the Lord. Wow. I am. This is the God we serve. Jesus is the I am God. He is the Lord, the God Almighty. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? God's hand, God's arm is not too short. If you're in bondage, don't complain against God. Don't blame him for being slow. Praise him. Worship him. Stand by faith, knowing that he will break the bondage that is so clinging to your heart. You're in a marriage that's not working. Oh God, I praise you for my wife. I praise you for my husband. Now, Lord, I put them in your hands. And I'm going to stand by faith to watch the miracle as you heal our relationship, as you change me and as you change them. You're in a job you hate. Lord, I thank you for my job. I praise you and honor your name. And now you're going to change this job into a freedom from the bondage I feel. Would you make me love my job, Lord? Would you deliver me? I don't want to be a complainer, and I don't want to be miserable because I'm not getting my way. I want your way, Jesus, not my way. You know, yesterday afternoon, I spent all afternoon saying, Lord, 
I want your way. I'm not going to ask you for my way anymore, ever again. I'll never ask you for my way again. I want your way alone, Jesus. It's your way I need. Now, we're out of time for this broadcast today. I pray this has been helpful to you. And I pray now, Jesus, that you would break the bondages of my brother and sister. That you would cause them to radically transform and change and come into your presence with rejoicing and give it all to you, Jesus, and roll the anxiety over to you. Thank you, my Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you for listening. Share it with others. And if you're listening on YouTube, would you subscribe to our channel? It helps us get the message out even wider. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I know Jesus loves you, and I know he'll meet you. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory.